Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushable. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of April 18, 2021. All of the following meetings are virtual and are held on the KCB Zoom line at 669-900-6833. The code is 862-9889-6972. And all of these calls are open to anyone who would like to participate. On Wednesday, April 21, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its next Low Vision support call at 7.30 p.m. There will be an interesting topic as well as finding out who is the winner of their 50-50 drawing. On Thursday, April 22, the Kentucky Council of Blind Next Generation invites you to participate in a very interesting presentation by Toastmasters. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Zoom line. Here's the description of the call. Imagine you have just been asked to give a short speech or presentation by your friend, a co-worker, or a family member. Do you say yes because you want to help them out, or do you say no because you are scared? If your answer is yes, do you find yourself struggling to find the words to say or the tricks to calm your nerves? If your answer is no, what's holding you back? Lack of confidence or fear? Join KCB Next Generation at 8 p.m. on Thursday, April 22, when they welcome Delbert Spear, who will tell us about Toastmasters. Toastmasters International is a U.S. headquartered nonprofit educational organization that operates clubs worldwide for the purpose of promoting communication, public speaking, and leadership. NextGen looks forward to your meeting them there on the call. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to its Friday evening roundabout on April 23. This roundabout will include page turners where you can share good books and, if there's time, play a word game or two. The next Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana meeting is on Monday, April 26 at 7 p.m. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to its virtual derby party on April 30. Lots of games, trivia, and fun for everyone. You might even win a door prize. 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind held its April quarterly meeting this past Friday, April 16, on the Zoom line. The main order of business was the election of a new board. Officers elected for two-year terms were Natalie Couch, President, Patty Cox, First Vice President, Kendall Perry, Second Vice President, Terry Turlow, Secretary, Deanna Scoggins, Treasurer. The four directors elected for one-year terms were Debbie Persons, Debbie Green, Trina Muncy, and Restoria Ross-Jackson. Bill Wright will continue to serve on the board as immediate past president of GLCB. A big thanks to Deb Lewis, Debbie Detheridge, David Smith, and Crystal Brock, who have served ably on the GLCB board and rotate off the board. Also, a huge thanks to Rick Boggess from Owensboro and Paul Louise from Lexington 
for hosting the event this past Friday. This announcement comes from the April 16 edition of Dots and Dashes. Create your own ACB account now. We hope you will be joining us for our convention in July. To simplify your account process, we are asking you to create a new ACB account, whether you are a member or not. You will use this login credential going forward. The first time you log in to https colon slash slash members dot acb dot org, you will be asked to create a new login, password, and provide your profile information. This will need to be done even if you have previously created other ACB accounts. If you registered for the 2020 Holiday Auction, no further action is needed. You can use the same credentials you selected for your previous ACB accounts if you wish. We are asking for your name and address for your profile to make sure our donor database has your current information, which will help ACB to communicate with you in the future. Please go to https colon slash slash members m-e-m-b-e-r-s dot acb dot o-r-g to create your ACB account by May 15 so you will be ready when convention registration opens on May 20. If you need assistance creating your ACB account, please contact Janet Dickelman at 651-428-5059. Also from Dots and Dashes comes ORCAM Podcast. If you missed last week's community event with ORCAM featuring blind land speed racer Dan Parker and Dr. Brian Walensky, low vision optometrist, you can still catch this event through the podcast at https colon slash slash tinyurl t-i-n-y-u-r-l dot com slash 8 M S V V as in Victor C Z as in Zebra N as in Nancy S as in Sam. In this webinar, they discuss the technology of Orcam My Eye and how it provides independence and improves the lives of their users. If Dan's story inspires you, check out the Orcam My Eye and see what it can do for you. ACB members are entitled to a 10% discount off of any ORCAM devices, cannot be combined with other promotions, and payment plans are available. If you are interested to receive more information, please go to https colon slash slash tinyurl, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot C-O-M dash T, B as in boy, C, F as in frog, W, 6, S as in Sam, C. And fill out your details or contact ODED, O-D-E-D, SIN, T-S-I-N, from ORCAM directly at ODED.SIN at ORCAM.com. You can receive reminders and announcements such as the ones included here and many more, including Zoom links and dial-in information for connecting to calls, 
from your landline, smartphone, or computer by joining the Kentucky Council of the Blind email list. Just send a subscription request to kcb at kentucky-acb.org or complete the list subscription form on our website at www.kentucky-acb.org. You can also call us at 502-895-4598 and we'll be glad to assist you. We bring you two interviews on this week's Sound Prints. On page two, we catch up with Natalie Couch, who is the newly elected president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. And on page three, you'll meet Debbie Persons, one of the new directors on the GLCB board. We hope that you enjoy these interviews, and we look forward to having you meet other new members of the GLCB board in the near future. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Sound Prints, and we remind you to please call us at 502-895-4598 if you have suggestions for future shows, or email kcb at Kentucky Council of the Blind with your comments and suggestions. Page 2. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind had its quarterly meeting last night, Friday, April 16th, and at that quarterly meeting we held elections for our entire board because we hadn't been able to have elections last year when the virus first began. We elected all new officers and four new directors, and our new president is Natalie Couch. And she's on the line with me right now, and we're going to give you an opportunity to meet Natalie. You've heard her on Sound Prince before for several different reasons, but this time it's because she's the newly elected president of GLCB as well as president of the Tri-State Library Users, which is our Lua chapter here in Kentucky. So welcome, Natalie. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Natalie, why don't we begin by you just telling us, um, pretend like you're warping back to 2012 when you first came to Kentucky, and tell us about you. Um, there are many people out there listening who probably don't know you in, in one reason or another. Um, maybe they knew you before you came to Kentucky, or maybe they knew you, have uh, known you since then, but didn't know you before. So... Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you enjoy doing and so on, and we'll just chat for a little bit. All right. Um, so before I moved to Louisville in 2011, I lived in uh, central Illinois. I lived in a very small town. We didn't even have we didn't have any form of transportation. Um, we did not even have you know reliable cabs or anything. So if I wanted to go anywhere. Um, I had to rely on family and friends. When I was younger, like growing up, that was kind of a huge challenge because my parents lived out in the country. So nobody, sometimes people didn't want to drive out there and come get me and stuff. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a challenge. And when I was little, I always told my parents because we would go to Chicago, like for family, you know, um, just like for family weekends and whatever, because we were about three hours from there. I always told my parents that I was going to live in Chicago because, you know, in Chicago, I could get places. 
I thought about that, and then I did some interning at the Chicago Lighthouse in 2010, and that kind of changed my tune of living there, <laughs> because <laughs> Chicago is very, very fast-paced. I don't know, it was cold, and I didn't want to walk everywhere or, you know, take an L and have to walk from the L station or something, so um, that kind of that kind of changed my pace, but I also knew when I got home in 2010 from that internship that I didn't want to stay in my little tiny one-bedroom apartment. So in 2011, I um, applied for a job um, with Humana. I'd actually heard about it on several email lists that I was on, and um, I didn't actually tell anyone that I was applying because I was like, well, I probably won't get it. Even if I do get it, I don't know if it's really going to be feasible to move out of state for a call center job. So I sent in my resume, told no one I was doing this. About three days after sending in my, I think I sent in my resume like on a Friday. And by that Monday morning, um, I actually had a phone call from Bosma Enterprises to do an interview. Um, I bet your parents were surprised. Um, you, well, actually, um, my parents were the last to know because, so I called my aunt who actually lives in New Albany. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was telling her about it. Um, and then she called <laughs> my, or, well, she happened to just call my dad because that's her brother. And she just happened to call my dad to about something, I don't remember. And so she casually mentioned, she's like, oh yeah, you know, I was talking to Natalie today and she has this interview. And so, you know, I get this phone call from my mom and, um, (laughs) you know, and she's like, what, you know, what are they talking about? And I was like, well, you know, I was going to tell you, I was trying to figure it out, you know, trying to um, get everything figured out about when I needed to go to Indianapolis and do an actual interview and whatever. So, yeah, that was kind of a surprise. Um, and so I went through that whole interview process. When I got the job, I don't recommend this to anyone, but when I got the job, I, I had about two weeks, um, well, maybe three, I don't remember, two or three weeks to um, find a new place to live. And I was also having to go through customer service training So I was living in Indianapolis out of a hotel, trying to find a place to live. And I had also been to a leadership conference, the Midwest Leadership Conference for ACB. So I went there on a Friday. Um, I came back Sunday morning and packed and went to Indianapolis for two weeks Sunday night while still trying to figure out where I was going to live and (laughs) um, what I was going to do to accept this job to move here. So I don't recommend that to anyone, but at least it gave me time to not be scared. So (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Yep. So that's kind of where I'm from. And then I moved here and um, so here you are. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So when you were, Growing up, like in high school, grade school, and so on, what kind of things did you like to do? What were you involved with, or um, you know, favorite subjects, that kind of thing? Let's see. Well, in um, all through like grade school and high school, I was, you know, I liked doing reading and English and spelling and stuff like that. And in high school, I was very big into chorus, so I did that all four years. I did drama club my senior year in high school. 
I let's see what else did I do. I was on the Scholastic Bowl team for two years in high school. Um, I just kind of tried to do things because I was the only blind student, totally blind student in my school district. So um, I just, you know, I just kind of tried to do things to be able to fit in and make friends. You know, I like to spend time hanging out with friends and doing normal stuff that, you know, that high school students do. <laughs> so then you you did your internship and um, and so I got the job here uh, mm-hmm. with Humana. Came here, hadn't been here very long, and you showed up at a GLCB event. I did. Yes, <laughs> um, I was actually <laughs> so. Um, well, let me kind of let fill. I I don't know. Maybe I should fill people in on how I kind of got started with, you know, ACB and stuff. Okay. Um, so in 2009, um, one of my friends who was working at the Chicago Lighthouse um, won a, a ACB scholarship. And so she was going to go to national convention, and she called me because she didn't want to get stuck with somebody that she didn't know. Um so, and at that point, I, I wasn't involved with any of the blindness organizations, um, just because there weren't any local chapters where I lived. So I didn't really want to get involved because I was like, well, I can't do anything with them anyway. She called me and wanted me to go to the Orlando convention. <laughs> um, so I was actually all excited about that because, um, you know, I used to listen to coverage like on ACB radio and stuff like that. And um, I had been following a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook and stuff that used to go to these what, what um, used to go to these conventions. And so I was like, OK, well, this will be fun. I can go meet all these people. I met her in Orlando and we went to this convention and I, I at first I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I walked into? Because <laughs> You know, I walked into the hotel and there were just like blind people everywhere. Um, So, so, um, but by the end of the, you know, and I was kind of, I was really nervous um, when I first walked in because I was like, I don't know, this hotel's big, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get anywhere, Um, you know, but, um, and I had only planned to stay, well, I I did only stay, I think, four days. um, And, But the morning that I woke up, I decided I was like, I wish I wasn't going home because it was totally different than I was, you know, than I had imagined it just because things are, you know, accessible because there's there were a whole bunch of blind people there. So things are accessible and it it was just fun to be able to network and um, just to meet people that I had seen on email lists and various other you know, forms of networking. And so that morning um, when I went into general session, I decided that I was going to join ACB. Now, I didn't really know that much about them. I mean, I'd kind of learned about them over being at convention, but I didn't know a whole lot, but I just kind of felt like, you know, um, I wanted to join this. So I joined and then um, I became involved in the Illinois Council of the Blind. So I was involved in that until I moved here in 2011. And then, as Carla said, I I was probably here 
I don't even think I was here a week <laughs> before I had come to a GLCB meeting. It was it was an experience. It was good. Um, but I remember I walked in and um, we went we had this workshop thing. I think it was about TARC three or something. Um, and then we went to dinner and I remember thinking. I'm really hungry because <laughs> um, I was living in a hotel and my refrigerator didn't work. So it froze all my food. And so, um, you know, and, and I remember, um, I think we had like some sort of cookout food or something that day that Patty had made or something. And, and I remember I kept thinking, I really want to ask for seconds, but I know I shouldn't because, you know, I was trying to be good and make a decent first impression and now you, I've you, did, you, know, you didn't know that a great first impression would have been to ask for those seconds <laughs> I did not <laughs> <laughs> um so after going to this GLCB meeting um I and you, you did know, I get just, seconds right um probably yeah I don't remember I'm, I'm pretty but, sure you did <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I think you're like well if you want it just ask or something because I ended up at a table with you and so yeah. um so after I went to this GLCB meeting um I, you know, I just kind of kept going back and um, got involved with other aspects. Um, not long after, you know, I had moved here, um, I went to dinner with Carla and Adam at one point just to kind of get to know them. And then we started talking about um, social networking and Twitter and stuff. So I kind of got involved in that aspect with GLCB. And then um, I was doing some thinking yesterday and actually, I have been on the board, the GLCB board since 2012. That like seems amazing to me. So um, <laughs> I've just kind of been involved basically since I've been here. So yep. Well, it's it's been good. So you've you've done that, and you also then have been to some national conventions since then, and also on the boards of some of the other chapters, but. Um, Last year, you became president of the Tri-State Users, and I think the first night that you found yourself in the position of needing to conduct a meeting it was kind of funny, because here you, you needed to, to run this meeting, and we're at Roundabout and getting ready to have a meeting, and we said, all right, Natalie, and you were the vice president. You said, oh, well, what, do I, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, and <laughs> and I, I was kind of thinking about that. Um, this morning when we had a tri-state meeting and and i mean a year or two of of doing you know those kinds of things for people that are out there listening and they think oh i i don't i don't know if i could you know do this particular job or that particular job and you know and one good thing is just to try i mean get starting at a chapter level is a good thing too because when you're the chapters, I like to think of them as sort of the incubators for the state affiliates and the mm -hmm. national organization. And that's where you kind of learn how to how to, to run a meeting. Or and it's, and it's always different when you're having to do it yourself than when you're sitting there thinking about what somebody else should do. At least It is, because yeah. that first meeting that I had to run. Now, I have been to board meetings, you know, since 2012. Oh, many times. I should know this, but that I don't know that first meeting that I um that I had to run as vice president, I just totally like everything I knew just sort of went out of my head. So it, it is totally different. 
Um, and even um, as, you know, being, because um, I was secretary of GLCB for until last night, um, but even as being secretary, you know, you, you think that it's really easy to, you know, read these minutes out loud um, to everyone, but it's, you know, it, it does get nerve wracking. So mm -hmm. um, well, now I'm kind of over that, but. And, and also you think, oh, that's, that's not hard just to write down what's going on. But then to pick out mm -hmm. what is important, especially when there's some big discussion going on and it's wandering all over the place, you know, that can be, that can be tricky. Yes. And so um, not that everything is hard, but it's very different when you're the person that has to, you know, open your mouth and start the meeting or whatever. And um, so it's, Everybody has to start somewhere, and yep. and then they progress from there. Well, tell us too about some of the things that you, you know, like to do now. I mean, you work you're working from home. Mm -hmm. I do not like that, but <laughs> um, no, it's not bad. It's <laughs> not your thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, um, I would like that because I wouldn't have to. I wouldn't have to fool with getting a ride in the morning and riding back at night and all that. Um, stuff. it's good in that aspect, but you kinda of feel like you never get to because, you know, I work in the middle of my living room, so every time I'm in my living room you, you kinda of feel like you're there. So mm -hmm. um that's not always a good feeling. But um some of the things I like to do, um I haven't been able to as much lately, but um I do like to read a lot. Um and that kind of you know, helps me escape from just things because um, it just kind of takes you away from your thoughts. And um, and I've also gotten into, because um, everything is virtual and the ACB um, has started their community calls, so I also volunteer as a Zoom host, and that is actually very therapeutic because, you know, you, you get you get a lot of different experiences when you host calls um, because we don't get to pick what calls we host. We just get, you know, randomly assigned to them. So um, you get to learn a lot of different things. Um, I actually hosted a call on Thursday that um, I had no idea what it was going to be about. And then when I got there and the facilitator told me that the topic was poetry, I was like, really? Because I don't, you know, I'm not a big poetry person so I was like okay this might be you know um <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna you know I, I this might be boring it might be hard for me to you know focus on what I need to but um it was actually a very interesting call so things that I think I don't like or won't like um I learn you know sometimes you learn that you do you're sitting there listening to to these calls and you yeah, know, you, you end just up hang up and leave. You know, yeah, when you yeah. don't like it. Yeah, you end up taking something away from it. So um, that has been a very that's been a very fun experience for me. So for those who may not know what hosting a call means, explain that a little bit. I am basically a virtual mic runner, I guess you could say. Um, I kind of work. I you know find out what it is that the facilitator needs me to do, um, if they need me to 
you know, let them know who has their hands raised, um, lower hands, kind of call on people if they have questions. Basically, our job is to just kind of keep order in the call so that it doesn't um, get chaotic and people just kind of start talking whenever they want. And all those calls are on Zoom. Those are all the community calls. Um, and there's just tons of them every week. Natalie, when I've, I've wondered, when you are hosting, I know sometimes when I am facilitating a call, and I know that that call is also being broadcast on ACB radio, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it sort of makes me nervous because I think you know the perspective of the listener may be a little different if they're just tuned in on ACB radio, then when they're actually on the Zoom call and they can ask questions and so on. Do you ever think about that when you're hosting? Um, yeah, it is kind of nerve-wracking to know that you're being streamed um, because, you know, if, you're, if your Zoom messes up or if you, um, you know, if you, if you can't, you know, like, lower a hand or you know sometimes if you're if you're having some technical issues that can be that can be a little bit nerve-wracking um but it's not you know it's it's not bad and it's it is a fun experience but sometimes it is a little bit nerve-wracking to know that you are being streamed last night when we had our greater local council meeting we had to prepare to vote um our constitution requires us to have a secret ballot if there's more than two people, or if there's more than one person running for an office. And so we had to prepare for that, even though it turned out we didn't have any contested offices. That says to me that the nominating committee did a fabulous job of selecting the people, because of our nine officers, we have five new people on that board. We used the just the one tap or the Zoom, or just the dial-in numbers. We did not use the link so that people coming into the call could not see other people in the call and therefore could not see how they would vote if we needed to raise our hands. And, you know, I don't know how other people perceive that or if other people really cared, but it made me stop and think of how different things have become in a year. A year ago, we would have seen that call as an old-fashioned conference call. And that would have been fine because that's what we were used to. We hadn't done a whole lot of Zoom calls at that point. We'd done some, but not too many. And last night, it was like being stuck in a closet because we couldn't see who else was there. Yes. Yeah, it was just almost like being caught in a trap or something. Yeah, and it was like being on a webinar because you know when a webinar in Zoom you can't um, you can't see who's there either, and I don't I don't like that because I kind of want to know. Well, I mean, last night I knew who was there because we were all mm-hmm. talking, but you know when you're doing some of the like ACB convention calls um, or some of even some of the community calls that are webinar, um, you you don't know because I can't host those yet because I don't know how to do those. But you um, you don't know who's there, and so it's kind of like you're just sort of in this room alone, you know, Um, because you don't know who's there. Yeah. But it sure does 
show how how far we have come in in participating in these calls and for those of us that use the links but even for people who who don't use the link who use the one tab and basically are um it's still functioning for them like a phone call um you know that that I think that comfort level with those kinds of calls is just so much greater this year. We've done so many of them. It, it's just a whole different feel to the to the calls. So, well, tell us. We have just a little bit of time left. Do you have any particular things that you would like to see or accomplishments, um, achievements, whatever that you would like to see for GLCB in the next? Your term is two years, and after that, if you're not totally worn out, you can run for two more. <laughs> Do you have any, you know, any thoughts of, well, I'd like to see the organization do A, B, C, or D. I mean, whether it's a comp- whether we can accomplish it or not, that that's not the, that's not the point. Um, you know, the point is, how how would you, what would you like to see it? happening in GLCB. This may be really far fetched, but I I would like to try to maybe figure out a way to do some sort of mentoring things. Maybe trying to figure out ways to engage more with members and just to be able to give back because I know that I have had a lot of opportunities and experiences that other blind and visually impaired people have not been fortunate enough to fortunate to have because you know I uh, just because of my circle of friends and my family because um, you know my family was very much I was going to have the same experiences as um, sighted people and my friends were kind of the same way so well are I guess I should say um, so I I would kind of uh, I'm kind of trying to figure out some way of give back to our members or to to kind of allow them to have some, you know, some different experiences. I mean, I I have kind of gotten spoiled by this virtual thing because, um, you know, we can, like I was telling someone today, um, when we were talking about, you know, the last crossroads we did, um, we can, you know, eat what we want when we want, you know, drink what we want when we want, you know. So I've kind of, kind of gotten, and, and it's just nice because we don't have to stay and, you know, tear things, clean up and set up and, you know, all those things that go along right. with having an in-person yeah. thing. But I do miss, um, you know, I do, I do miss being able to have real contact with people um, because virtual, it's just, you know, it's just not the same. So, mm-hmm. and for some people, they would would not be able to come to the in person events. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to, now we're faced with having to find ways. It's not just okay. Um, you know, next for, next month on the third Friday, we're going to all get together because there are some people who can't be there. They mm-hmm. they just can't. They don't live where they can get transportation to to. I don't care where we choose to have the event. There's going to be a segment that can't come. So somehow now, you know that's always been true. That's it's 
been true forever. But now people have come to expect that the event is going to kind of come to them Mm -hmm. as well. Because I think before they didn't know that we could do this. And so now that they know, because you can't miss what you don't know. So now that they know, um, I think we're going to be expected to make it happen. Well, Natalie, you've got uh, a board elected last night. We're nine people on that board. And eight of them were women (laughs) with one male. Now, <laughs> that that will that'll be interesting too, and yes. uh, so it. But it's going to be good. I mean, I think it's it's really going to be a. Um, I think it's going to be a really good board. I do too. I, I think it is. Everybody is interested. There's nobody. I don't think that had to be, you know, there, that we had to twist their arm to get them to no. participate, and nope. that was good. So, well, thank you so much. We are looking forward to um, seeing how this all shapes up. Anyway, well, we appreciate you talking with us and wish you all the best as president. All right. Well, thank you so much. Page three. One of the new members on the GLCB Board of Directors is Debbie Persons. And some of you may know Debbie from the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. She's the secretary for that group. Debbie's been at conventions a lot, helped out with a lot of registration, and just been part of KCB for several years. But this is the first time that she's been on the GLCB board. And, Debbie, we're glad you're with us today on Soundprints, and we're going to take this opportunity to let people get to know you better. So welcome. Well, thank you, Carla. Um, As you said, my name is Debbie Parsons. I grew up in southern Indiana on a farm. I went to the local public school. Um, Teachers could not understand why, if I was sitting in the front of the classroom, why I still couldn't read the board. I was the only one with that problem. But um, anyway, I managed to get through that and high school, went on to college. And while at college, um, some of my friends there had uh, visual problems, and I got um, involved with uh, NFB for a few years, and then I had a family and got busy with working in life and just got away from all that for a number of years, and then in 2008, Louisville had an ACB convention. They put a big ad in the paper, they need volunteers, so my husband dropped me off at 7 o'clock in the morning and on his way to work, and then he picked me up about 10 o'clock at night, so I volunteered, and I've been there almost ever since. Um, but you were there that entire convention uh, that first day. We must not have um, driven you away too much because you were there that whole week. And uh, I think at the end of that convention, we went on the Bell of Louisville, and you were there too. I was. I went on a lot, a lot of the trips. I was uh, one of the guides. That's where I met um, one of the other people with albinism because I didn't know any others. That was Robert Spangler. Um and uh, we were on a lot of the trips. So, um, and and at that convention, I was didn't know anybody. So I was just uh, somebody looked like they were lost. I said, "Can I help you find something?" So uh, I would take them wherever they wanted to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were an absolute. You talk about a super volunteer. You were you achieved that status that at that convention. It was wonderful. If oh, only I'd had a Fitbit, I could have really logged on the 
steps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. So you you were there, and then um, tell us about well, you were at the 2012 convention, also when it was here yes. in Louisville. Yeah. Uh, yes, I started getting a little more involved from then on. Um, and um, I've been to a number of the other conventions since then. And somehow, somebody talked me into getting involved at the Mini Mall. And I put in I a lot of... I wonder how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I, oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. Just on what I do during the mini mall, I feel like I put in a lot of hours and it's a lot of work, but I know you do tons more than me. Well, when you've gone to the national conventions, um, for the people that are listening and may not know, the ACB mini mall has two or three uh, tables in a row, a large booth, at the ACB convention, and um, volunteers come and help out with selling ACB products and other things to the conventioners, and it can be a very, very hectic time, and Debbie is a great volunteer in that mini-mall um, because, well, one thing is that, you know, you can see well enough to know when someone is standing in front of that table if they're not saying anything, and and then just kind of help them get the things that they need. And um, oh, Wow, you know, just a, just a super, super volunteer. And last summer... <laughs> with the virtual convention, you helped with uh, telephone orders, and we had them set up on like a rollover that um, it would roll down to three different phone lines, and you answered one of those and just did a super job. So we <laughs> really appreciate that. But um, tell us also, now you got involved when um, when we started our low vision support groups. You You came and helped out with that too. Uh, yes, um, I was attending the GLCB Friday night meetings, and then I just heard talk about the low vision group, but I wasn't directly involved with it because my husband was working, and I not, was not familiar enough with Louisville that I'm really comfortable for doing a lot of driving here. I do have a bioptic glasses, so I'm a licensed driver for it, but um, I prefer familiar places and not such heavy traffic. Yeah, and it's a long drive from for you to come in to um, to the United Crestdale Ministries where we were meeting, but you know it, it was great when you would come when you were there because when people come in that are new to low vision, they need to meet people that have sort of that that have low vision, so they can identify that there is somebody else in this world that's like them. And, um, you know, you were always really helpful there. Um, I think one of the things that was really helpful in those in those groups and, and other things, too, is um, when I think of you, I think of you as a note taker. I mean, yes. you, <laughs> I do. <laughs> you take, I mean, you constantly have notes on everything. And the same thing is true at, at, at KCB conventions and everything. I mean, you can be counted on to... You know, you've got those notes. If you're there, you've got some record of it. Yeah, I like I like keeping notes. Mm-hmm. I guess I started doing that in college. You know, you better write it down because who knows when it's going to come back and you've got to know what they said. 
That's right. That's right. Well, tell us about some of your hobbies and what you like to do just out outside of the organization. Well, through the years, uh, when my children were small, I would, they were involved with Scouts, so I was part of that organization. And for a number of years, I taught Sunday school. Um, at one time, I was substitute teaching in our local school system. Uh, I was church treasurer for a number of years. And currently, I'm involved with the Daughters of the American Revolution. And with that, we do a lot of genealogy. And genealogy is one of my big passions. I love that. Um, I like to read. I like to travel. We do some camping. And I like working with the Mini Mall and the ACB groups. So um, um, I like to mow the yard, but my husband needs something to do now, so I let him do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a good thing to add to his list. (laughs) Well, when he was working, he told me I I couldn't use the mower. So when he went to work, I showed him, hey, I can use this mower. Not a problem. But when he, he retired, I, I couldn't keep up all the stuff. He had to have something to do. So um, we have a dog. Uh, I have a dog named Emma. She's um, just a pet. And uh, I've got two kids and two stepdaughters. And we got together, we've got seven grandkids. Oh, wow. Okay. So are, do oh. they all live here or uh, other places? Where Where are they? Uh, yeah, both of mine are in uh, just across the river in southern Indiana, and both of my husband's, uh, th- their families are right here in the Louisville area. Well, that's good. Then you get to see them pretty often, so that's that's a good thing. Tell us about the um, your involvement with the DAR, because as you know, we've kind of uh, on and off again at GLCB been involved with trying to work on genealogy, and you've helped us some on that. So tell us a little bit about that hobby and maybe how you got into it. And and there's so many aspects of it that um, you can never run out of of the things that you're, you're doing with it. So just give us a little overview of that. I started doing genealogy. I guess I would just love to talk to my grandparents and find out stuff about what was things like when they were a kid and, and, you know, who were their relatives and things like that. And fortunately, I wrote all that down, too. So I bet you uh, did. <laughs> they, they are no longer with us, but I've got my notes that I wrote back when I was a little kid about that kind of stuff. Um, so it went on like that for many years, and I have uh, got a chance to go with my sister-in-law, who was also in genealogy. We went to Salt Lake City. We spent it almost the entire week in the genealogy library, and they were so helpful, and it was just wonderful. I found stuff out there that I couldn't find right here in my local libraries even. Um, But my daughter got involved with DAR because her father's, my my husband at that time, um, he's now deceased, uh, her father's family had been uh, researching DAR, and they knew that they were, Uh, American Revolutionary Soldiers. And um, so when she got in it, they naturally researched the Registrar Research My Side, which I had no idea she would do that. But she found that I had an American Revolutionary Soldier Patriot there as well. So they wanted me to join too. So I don't know how it happened, but I'm an uh, officer and and a committee member in that too. But it's, so, it's fun. It's a great group of people. 
Yeah, so um, when you, uh, if you find that you have um, someone, for example, that was a revolutionary soldier, or I know some people that have um, relatives that were on the Mayflower, so they're in the Mayflower Society and so on. How do they go about documenting uh, that? I mean, I'm sure that they, do they just, do they have to find the actual um, military record in order to document it? Apparently there are military records that do state who was involved and who was paid, uh, various Mm -hmm. things with that. So, yes, they do have a lot of documentation for that. That's why so you I had can't never just walk in and claim, oh yeah, I think I, I think my, you know, great uncle, you know, Jim Bob was uh, at the sto- family stories are that he did this or he did that. You actually do have to have the documentation, right? And some we have found that some of the DAR patriots were women. The women were acting as nurses or as their cooks and various other occupations, and they would just stand by and listen, and then they would report needed information to those that needed to know it. Oh. And and they also had hired some of the farmers with wagons to transport their their goods for various places. So not all people, not all of them were actually soldiers that were involved with the DAR. And we also know that many of them were never paid by the government for their soldier work. They were actually reimbursed by donation of land which the Indians still owned and occupied. Oh, okay. So that's sort of how some of the land wound up um, getting transferred, if you will? That's correct. Yeah. Not necessarily fully. Well, that's really interesting. Um, The uh, ACB Families is planning to do a session at the National Convention on on genealogy, and we basically want to do um, to do it surrounding some of the newer developments as well as um, talking about how the apps are more accessible now than they used to be. So we might need to get you involved in that. Well, I probably don't know enough, but I know people that do. We have uh, we have people that do a lot of the research back in. Because as you know, when you get back behind before 1850, the census records don't give you anybody but the head of household, right. and you you have to be able to access military records and family records and church records and all kinds of other things. But we have a lady that's uh, very knowledgeable on the DNA part of it too. So she's she's a, did an excellent presentation recently to our group. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that might be a a good resource because we have quite a few people in that group that are interested as well. Um, And, of course, we're hoping, hopeful when we go back to to Roundabout in person that we'll be able to do some more on on those things as well. So, well, um, that's, that's a, I think that's a hobby that a lot of people are interested in and a lot of times they just don't know how to begin. So... Um, well, um, I appreciate you uh, talking with us today, and um, welcome to the GLCB board. Do you have any any um, things that relate to GLCB that just you know not formal, but 
just things that you would like to see the organization do, the group do, that maybe we're not doing or maybe that we could do differently? Do you have any any thoughts along those lines, you know, things that you might we might do? You might say, boy, I wish we would do, wish we could do this or wish we could do this a different way. Oh, I would have to take some time to think about that when nothing pops in my head immediately. I know that they were a very welcoming group. I recall one lady that had become blind, and she was just sitting home all the time. <clears throat> and they made some contacts with you, and he, her husband brought her. And she had been an artist and even taught art in school. And now she had no vision, and she just was totally depressed. Well, she come in, and one of the other GLC members within a meeting or two brought a raised thing where you, where if you draw on it, it made the impression on it. And she shared that with the uh, lady that had been recently blind, and it made a world of difference in her life. She she drew the most fantastic picture, and she was just amazed at what she could do too. So I I think you guys are doing fantastic. And I miss I miss cooking with Patty, cooking and serving. So I'm ready to get back in the in person group. Yes, I think we all are, and um, everybody's ready for some more of those home cooked meals that get served up at Roundabout. So that'll be fun. But you know, when we when we go back to in person, we're we also are going to need now to find a way to include those people that have become involved with it on a weekly basis but who can't be there. And, you know, they would have never been involved had it not been for COVID because they couldn't come in person. Either they live too far away or the transportation was an issue or they don't get off in time from work to come. It's been an interesting year. And when we get back to quote normal it's going to be a different a different um normal than it was before because now we have all these other people out here that will want to continue to participate so we're going to have to figure out some ways to be able to include everybody and um you know it's just like conventions and things we didn't think a year ago that we could that we could do a convention virtually or you know, that we could have a business meeting like we did Friday night, and yet we figured out how to do those things. So I think uh, it, it'll, it'll be a little different, and it may be a little more work in some ways, but once we get started and, and find out how we can be effective, um, I, I think it'll be a really good thing and include more people. Yes, that's true, and uh, we are finding the same thing with our DAR group and our church. We are doing in-person now for those that want to attend, of course, wearing masks, and we're also uh, doing the Zoom calls, so those that cannot come are still involved with it. They can speak to us. They can see everything that's happening as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's going to be a little challenge to be able to, to keep the quality up on those calls uh, because it depends a lot on sometimes on the internet that's available and so on. But you know, if if we want to do it bad enough, I think we can figure out a way to make it happen. So, well, Debbie, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to 
to be on Soundprints with us today, and really glad you're on the GLCB board. I think that's going to be wonderful, and I know you're doing a great job on the KCCLV board as secretary of their group, and um, just looking forward to to um, getting you more involved than you ever thought you would be. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it, too. Great group of people. I enjoy being with them. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you very much. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.